almost every day we hear about injustices in life, don't we? We hear about things that never should happen. And Seth, I'm sorry to hear about a child that died in the fire. And it goes along with other things that have happened this week. Uh, just this week, Amrita um, asked us to be lifting up in prayer two children that her parents watch, uh, care for in their orphanage in Nepal. Uh, first was a newborn baby girl. Um, for some reason, her mother left her newborn in the garbage heap. And uh, the authorities were told, and a policeman uh, took this child to Amrita's parents because... He knows they take care of children. And so took her there, newborn baby girl, and it was on Amrita's father's birthday that the child appeared. And so they named her Kusi, which means happiness. And they took her as a blessing when others didn't see her that way. The second child is a two-year-old boy under their care named Nichelle, who also lives there. Uh, he has cancer. He's two years old. He had cancer in both eyes, so they had to remove his eyes in order to save his life. And recently he's been undergoing chemotherapy, but they had to stop that because it became too painful for him to endure it. Uh, what are we supposed to do with things like this? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to, to think about these things and, and you know somehow live with them? The injustice of circumstances like these just, you know, they cry out to us like, Something needs to be done about this. We got the word uh, through our family connections that up in Indiana, um, our son and daughter-in-law belong to a small group, have been in this group for about three or four years, and one of the young guys in that, that one of their families, 15 years old, this brilliant, uh, wonderful Christian young man named Abbott, was out with some of his friends, and as he was exiting the car, something, something weird happened, and he ended up getting run over and, and was killed uh, in the car of one of his friends. You know, and, and the tragedy is you know, just so multiplied there in something like that. And so we find ourselves asking, why doesn't God do something about this? Why doesn't God stop these crazy things from happening? Some people have just given up on God, even the existence of God. If there is a God, well, these things are not happen. And others just say there must not be a good God because a good God would not allow bad things to happen like this. Perhaps you know someone whose very reason for not believing in God is this thing, that tragedies, senseless circumstances occur. Well, what about us? You know, we believe in God. We believe that God is good. We believe that God has our best in interest uh, at all times, but we may still have this nagging question about justice, about fairness. And we're left wondering why God allows things like this to continue day after day, year after year. We may even be so bold as to say it, you know. I believe in God, but I really don't think God is fair. Otherwise, these things wouldn't happen. Well, the Bible affirms that God is just, that God is fair. Deuteronomy 10, 17 and 18, Moses said this, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts 
no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. Second Chronicles 19.7, King Jehoshaphat said, With the Lord our God, there is no injustice or partiality or bribery. God is just. God is fair. But at times it seems that his justice is cruelly delayed. Yeah, sometime, in time, God is going to make everything right. In time, God is going to hold evildoers accountable for their actions. In time, God is going to settle the score. But what about now? Why not now? Why doesn't he do something now to make things right? Where is God, after all? Why doesn't he do something? Well, let me ask you this morning, personally, where do you struggle with this? Where do you just struggle in, in believing in God the way that you would like to? Is it because somewhere along the line, you prayed this prayer, desperate prayer, a big prayer, God didn't answer it the way you wanted to? But why? Is it because God allows innocent people to suffer? Even children, even children die sometimes. Why? Is it because God allows injustices like this to go on unpunished, unresolved, perhaps even for a lifetime? Most, if not all of us, are going to suffer injustice at some time. Maybe you already have. Maybe it's yet to come. But what will we think of God then? Now, I don't pretend to have all the answers, so don't think that I'm going to just make everything easy and understandable today. But I can tell you some things from God's Word that will help us. Some things from God's Word that over the time of, of, of my struggle with this, I've learned that may be helpful to you and might help make some sense of the suffering and the injustices that are in the world. And maybe some of the things that I can share with you today from God's Word will help you figure this out a little bit too, maybe one or two. So I just want to call these things things to remember when life isn't fair. Things to remember when life isn't fair. What do we learn about God from God's word? First of all, we learn that God gave free will to men. And he's not going to take that away. He won't take away our free will. God, he gave free will in the beginning. Man still has it. And he will have it until time ends. Adam and Eve uh, were given freedom to obey God or disobey God. And they decided rather to obey God completely, to use that freedom to rebel against God. Now, there was only one rule. It was not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what did they do? That's the one they ate from. Of course, with the others as well. But this was a prohibited one. And Satan somehow came to them and convinced them that they knew better than God. And so they ate of that forbidden fruit. The consequences of that choice are devastating and far-reaching. We're still bearing the consequences of that choice. And along with our free will, we have now a fallen nature. And that means that we are prone towards sin, that we are prone to seek out bad things. Evil and suffering and injustices abound as a result of that. And God will never take away our free will because he created us as free moral agents. And the, whole, the whole setup is that we can make a choice. The choice has to be legit. The choice has to be a real 
Otherwise, there really isn't a choice. If we're just puppets, if we're just robots, then that's one thing. But God created us to be free and to make choices. Did God then create evil? No, he created the potential for evil. He created the option for evil. Otherwise, there would not be a choice between yes and no, right and wrong, good and evil. And we can make that choice. Freedom uh, requires that there be a bad choice as well as a good choice. If humans had no free will, then the world could be a beautiful place where there would be no hate, no suffering, no injustice. But it would also be a place devoid of love and goodness. Love, the highest good that we could ever know, cannot be experienced unless it is chosen freely. And that is why God gave man free will, so that he could freely choose to love God in return. So he could freely choose to obey God rather than rebel against God. And then that relationship has meaning, has purpose. Second, we learn from the Bible that we live in a fallen world as a result of what Adam and Eve did in choosing sin instead of obedience. Then this world received corruption or this world was somehow spoiled by sin. And the whole creation, the Bible says, was corrupted by what Adam and Eve did in disobeying God. This is now a world where weeds grow better than good plants. Aren't you happy about that? You know, in my yard, I don't have to do anything for the weeds. I don't have to water them. I don't have to fertilize them. I don't have to worry about them all. They just come up on their own, and they, they far outproduce anything else in my yard. Is that way true in your yard? You know, I have rocks in, in my yard. I don't have any soil. And yet the weeds are prolific. I mean, they continue to grow. They survive even when I'm doing everything I can to kill them. This is a world where people get injured, where people get sick, often through no mistake of their own. I mean, they, they weren't eating bad. They weren't uh, neglecting exercise. They weren't putting themselves around a bunch of disease. And they still got sick. just happened. This is a world where bad people can hurt or even kill good people and sometimes not even pay for their crimes. And they go away scot-free of what they did to someone else. This is a world where corrupt leaders can gain power and, and can ruin whole countries in order to make themselves filthy rich. And they just live that way until eventually they die. This is a world where human trafficking goes unpunished in places, unchecked, where innocent babies are murdered for the sake of convenience, where the good die young, we say. This is that kind of a world, a fallen world. Have I painted a gloomy enough picture for you yet? Are you sick of it? We live in a fallen world, a world that is not the beautiful, perfectly synchronized creation God originally designed. And Romans 8 tells us that the whole world is groaning, longing to be made right again. And, and uh, you know, the upheaval and the some of the disturbing weather things and, and so on may be part of that groaning. Someday the creation will be made right. Peter tells us that someday God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth and everything will be perfect there once again. But for now, we live in a fallen world, a world where many injustices occur every day. And even as Christians, we may want to say, God, I really want to believe in you. Really, I do, but I just can't understand your fairness. Why do you allow these things to happen? Part of it is God is 
seeing the, the world, the creation corrupted, and these are the effects of that corruption. Remember that this world is messed up by man, not by God. Are you looking for some blame? Are you looking for somebody to say, why aren't you being more fair? Ask the other people. Don't ask God. Thirdly, we find from the word of God, God's power is limitless. I mean, he can do whatever he wants to do, but he won't violate his own plan. He's not going to just forget everything that he set up so far and do something different. He will not violate what he set up as the laws and the principles of this universe. He is limitless. He can do whatever he wants. He has all knowledge. He has all wisdom. He has all power. He is not a finite person. He is not limited by time and space. And God could do whatever he wants to do at any time. But he will not violate his own plan. He will not violate the principles that he put in place for this world, including the free will of man. You know, he guaranteed that. He said, you're free. I'm not going to change that. I'm not going to take that away. And evil and suffering are a direct result of man's sinful, rebellious choices, not God's. And God chooses to let these sinful, rebellious choices continue for a period of time, however long that is. In order to accomplish and fulfill his own unchanging purpose and plan, God allows the evils and injustices of man to continue, even though he could stop them at any time. And so the Bible says things like this, God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Jesus said that, Matthew 5, 45. Our God has this higher, nobler plan and purpose that he is moving towards, that he is working towards a much higher, more noble purpose than maybe we sometimes understand or appreciate. He sees the big picture. He sees from the beginning and to the end and from side to side. He's not limited in any way. He can be in the past and the present and the future all at the same time. That boggles my mind. Is it yours? You know, God is beyond us. So we need to trust Him that He knows what He's doing. And as He keeps these things in place and as we see the suffering, we see the injustice, we see people dying that shouldn't die. We need to be careful that we don't try to, to understand this within our limitations, within our limited mind and, and our limited beings. We have to admit, you know, a lot of these things are beyond our comprehension, our appreciation, and so we trust God. Remember, uh, maybe from Job, Job's experience. You know, here's a very good man that suddenly has all this trouble brought upon him as, as he's being tested. And eventually, as he cries out in frustration to God, God comes back to him in Job 38, and he says to Job, he says, where were you when I created the earth? Just answer me that. Where were you when I set the limits of light and darkness, of earth and sky? Can you tell me where I store the rain and the snow? <laughs> and Job is just speechless. And so would we be. When we don't understand, we need to trust God's plan, that God is painstakingly carrying out his plan to redeem mankind. And we need to let God be God. And so we need to, you know, maybe just back off and say, I'm not your judge. You're, you're the creator. This is your creation. You let things stand. And I don't understand. I don't like some of the things I see, but I trust you in what you're doing. 
Fourth thing we learned from God in the Bible, that God cares about us, that God does love us. You know, when we hurt, God hurts. He's not uncaring. He's not unsympathetic. He's just the opposite. God cares more for you than you care for yourself. Satan's going to try and tell you differently. He will tell you that God doesn't care, but don't believe his lies. God hurts when we hurt. And many scriptures remind us of that love, remind us of his compassion and his grace. Sometimes we may be hurt or injured. And uh, when that's going to happen, God, God may step in on a rare occasion. On an occasion, he might step in and prevent something. I have known times in my life, I've heard you tell stories of some of your lives, where you probably should have died. And something happened. You didn't end up at the place where the collision happened. You were two seconds behind that. Or maybe some illness that should have taken your life, God removed it from you miraculously. And you know it. You, you know, the doctors were baffled that this happened to you. There are people sitting in this room. I know that happened to them. But sometimes God doesn't intervene. Sometimes it's hard to remember that he always cares, but he does. He always cares. And when his timetable seems too slow, we may assume he's not really involved. He doesn't really care, but he does. Think of many examples. I'll share one. In Mark chapter 5, uh, Jesus is out healing the people, and they're all crowding around him, and the disciples, you know, everybody's just pressing in on him. Everybody wants to be with Jesus because he's healing people. And uh, suddenly... This woman who has been ill for 12 years reaches out and touches him, and she is healed instantly, even though nothing is said. She's just reaching her hand through the crowd, touches Jesus, and she feels in her body that she's completely healed of what's troubled her for 12 years. And so she's just all excited. The rest of the crowd has no idea this has happened. And Jesus felt the power go out of him, so he turned around to her and he said, Who touched me? His disciples are saying, what are you talking about? There's like a hundred people pressing around you. How could you say, who touched me? Everybody's touching you. But he knew the difference that it made in her life. I'm going to ask you this. Where was God the previous 11 years of her life? God was caring for her. God was loving her. God was watching out for her. She didn't see that. She didn't understand that. But at that moment, Jesus came into her life. And she was healed miraculously from that which had troubled her for those years. If God delays in answering your prayers, if God delays in correcting some injustice in your life, then just trust in His love. Trust that He cares. That He's, he's got this. He's going to be there. 1 Peter 5.7 says, Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. And sometimes you get to the end of what you can do or what anybody else can do for you here on earth. And all you can do is cast all your care on God. So when you do, hold on to that verse. And when you're hurting and things don't make sense, it may be hard to believe, but count on this, that God loves you. God cares about you. God has an answer for you. And you wait. Number five, God uses pain and suffering to draw us back to him. You know, the past few months I've been reading from Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel on my morning devotions, uh, among some other things. And it's been almost depressing to, to see how many times God sends the prophet. Uh, he's pleading with his people to repent, to get back to him. And 
they're like oblivious. They, they, you know, they got closed off ears and stiff necks, the Bible says. And they just will not hear and they will not change what they're doing. So time after time, and God is saying, you need to repent, you need to turn back to me. And they won't. And so then he starts saying, well, judgment is coming. You know, you, you're refusing. Judgment is coming. It's going to be horrific. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be complete. And so then God sends the Assyrians against them. And God sends the Babylonians against them as acts of judgment. And eventually they utterly destroy both the nations of Judah and Israel. He destroyed the holy city Jerusalem and even their most prized possession, Solomon's temple. And when these ruthless armies are besieging the cities of God, the people of God cry out to him to save them. God, where are you? God, come deliver us. But it was too late. God's judgment had fallen upon them. Few of them survived the battle, and those who survived, most of them were taken away in exile. Did God not care? Why did God refuse to help them? People at that time even accused the Lord of not being fair. They said, the way of the Lord is not just. But God was using that judgment to draw them back, to see them repent and come back to God. In this case, their pain and suffering was deserved. It was brought upon themselves by their own actions. But God was drawing them back. In Ezekiel 18, God explains what he was doing. I want you to hear the heart of God. He said, Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Sovereign Lord? Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? God is not seeking to punish or hurt somebody. Ezekiel 18, 30-32 says, Therefore, O house of Israel, I will judge you, each one according to his ways, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent. Turn away from all your offenses. Then sin will not be your downfall. See, this is their own consequence. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you've committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. God doesn't take pleasure in death. God doesn't take pleasure in suffering or somebody suffering some great injustice. But often in that pain and suffering, he turns us back to him. Reminds me so much of the New Testament scripture in 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. What happens with man is he often tends to trust not in God, but in himself. Or to worship the creation. Man trusts himself until he just comes up short, till he faces circumstances that he can't fix, that he can't handle. And then he cries out to God. You know, the nation of Israel doing whatever they wanted and following all these other gods and goddesses and getting rich in the process until judgment came. Then suddenly they cried out to God. God save us. God help us. God deliver us. And when tragedy strikes, man is humbled and may then, and only then, open his prideful heart to God. Isn't that true of us? Is that the same way for us, you know? We're going along just fine, doing our own thing, doing whatever we want to do, until tragedy strikes and suddenly we're back on our knees. We're back in prayer. And God doesn't want us to trust in ourselves or any other part of the creation. The only one worthy of our trust is our Creator. 
This brings it to a final point, the most startling news of all, that God is not fair. <laughs> That's what Seth said in the communion meditation. must be true. It's true. God is not fair. And thank God that he's not. God is not fair, and you better be glad he's not. Do you really want to get what you deserve? All of it? You know, I don't want fair from God. Because fair is a four-letter word. Not F-A-I-R, but H-E-L-L. -L. That's fair. Every one of us deserves hell. Now, you may be better than anybody else. You may think, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I never raped anybody. I never murdered anybody. I never committed adultery. I never, you know, give this whole list. And just to prove how great you are. But all of us have sinned. All of us deserve the wages of sin, which is death. That's what Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is just, but he is not fair. There is a penalty for sin, but God has paid it. That's the difference. You don't have to pay it. I don't have to pay it. Let's go to Romans 3.22. Let me share just these verses, and then we'll close. This righteousness is given, okay? It's a gift, through faith in Jesus Christ and to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. That's what he's doing now. Leaving the sins beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. He is just, but he's not fair in a sense that he gives what we don't deserve. He gives by his grace. God is not fair. God is gracious. He gives us what we don't deserve. We are fallen creatures in a fallen world, prone to fallenness. But he cares about us so much that he came to earth as Jesus so that he could pay our penalties for us. So what is the greatest injustice that has ever occurred? It is the cross of Christ. Because now it was not a person with a little bit of sin that got sick or suffered or died. This was the sinless Son of God who came and took our sins upon himself so that we could go free. So the penalty would be paid. And we who had messed up our lives so horribly and deserved H-E-L-L, could go free and end up with God for eternity. The cross testifies most supremely to God's grace. God can do whatever he wants, but he will not violate his own rules of justice and fairness. He could say that sin doesn't matter, but it does. It always will. So God himself went through the pain and agony of the cross and even death so that the wages of sin, our sins would be paid. And through his grace, he gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us forgiveness and eternal life with him. God is not fair. He's much greater than that.
God is not fair. God is grace. God is full of grace. You need to know something. We all need to know something. The reason that Jesus died is that God wants to be in a personal, loving relationship with each one of us. He chooses us. Will we choose him? Do we choose him? He doesn't want any of us to suffer for eternity without him. It is not his desire to punish. His desire is to save. Will you let him save you? Maybe you have some thoughts, uh, maybe some struggles still in your mind today. Maybe I have not answered all of your questions, but I hope we moved you a step or two closer because through all of these things, God is drawing us back to himself and God wants that relationship with you. But you need to reach out to him then in faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to see the struggles of life and to see that you have answers for those struggles. Places where we are, are uh, hurting, we're questioning, we're wondering, and, and we're left uh, clueless sometimes and confused. Thank you, Lord, that your word speaks so clearly to your heart and to your desire to save us. And that you reach out to us in grace when we, we don't deserve any of that which you offer. Thank you, Lord, for caring about us, even when we go through hard times and, and we don't see answers uh, readily available, that you never abandon us, you never leave us or forsake us, and that you will see us through to the end. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Uh, we praise you. We thank you now through Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.